I believe that becoming a better man means being more reliable and more supportive in relationships. Whether that be with friends, family or partners, human connection is important for all of us. So I've designed a test that will help you improve yourself and your relationships. There's a link to it in the show notes. I'll tell you more at the end of this episode. For now, enjoy listening. And I'd like to think it was divine intervention because a voice spoke to me. And you know what it said? Fucking get on with it, otherwise you're done. Welcome to Stories of Men, Beneath the Surface. I'm Alex Melia. Join me as we discover what it means to be a man in the modern era. The pandemic was obviously a difficult time for most people, and a lot of us were just taking it day to day. Others didn't, and used the opportunity to react and grow in different ways. It was March 2020, the start of the pandemic, when Brad got the news that his company wouldn't be able to operate for the foreseeable future. His family were really worried, and with the pressure on, he felt like it was time to step up. We sat there on the table, and my wife... She's crying. I said to her, look, Kerry, it's going to be fine. So she says to me, how do you know it's going to be fine? I said, look, Kerry, you tell me, in the last 18 years of running a business, one bill, one bill that I've not paid. Name one, I'll wait. It was quite clear that she was on the brink, emotionally, mentally, and her big concern, financially. You know, I would love to say it was a big, long, protracted conversation with my wife that wasn't because the time for talking was done. This was now the time of doing because she was unmoving. She was frantic. This wasn't great. There's nothing further I could have done. I couldn't have moved her forward. And it was a time and there's a place to put the arm on the shoulder. And there's a time and a place to put the bayonets on. Guess what? This was the latter, not the former. So I had to be strong. And as a man, as a leader, sometimes you got to be strong when you're not. This was one of those moments. So I'm walking upstairs, I'm on the landing, and I text the second right into my uh, office. So I'm sat in my office and I grabs a pad, uh, an A3 pad, I always remember, and I grab my red pen. And I wrote on this piece of paper right in the middle, what does this make possible? And a question mark. And I sat there, I just started writing and writing and writing and writing. And on that page, I ended up writing what was going to save me, what was going to save my family, what was going to get us through this unprecedented situation. And I drafted a plan, a business plan, that actually went against every single thing that I'd built in the last 16 years. Everything. You know, because I run business networking meetings. And in that time, between 2006 and March 2020, I'd run over 68,000 real-life business networking meetings with thousands of members each paying me money every single month and every single meeting. That had gone. The Brewers' fairs across the land had shut. Boris Johnson asked us to please stay at home. Well, that's great, but what am I going to do for the 100,000-plus pounds that was coming through my bank account every single month? That had gone. My network had gone. It was almost like being a manufacturer of ice creams and somebody had switched off your fridges. And I'd like to think it was divine intervention because a voice spoke to me. And you know what it said? Fucking get on with it, otherwise you're done. 
That wasn't no divine intervention. It was me talking to myself. And that's exactly the situation. I had no option. And in life and in business and in this world, you're going to have to make decisions that not everyone agrees with. I wasn't even sure. I didn't even know. But I, what I did know is I had no option because staying where I was meant I lost. And this was a time for losing. This was a time of winning. Because if I didn't, I had nowhere to go. And I had my business plan in front of me. I thought, right, boom. Supreme confidence mode. I was blagging it. So I picked up the phone, looked at my contacts. 10987654321, dial. Hello, Terry speaking. Terry, how are you doing, Brad? Terry was a 70-year-old grizzled uh, PLC chairman. That's the reality of it. And I called him the Greybeard. He was the wise old wizard. Turned up there and I said, Terry, you know, I've got a daft idea that just might work. And he said to me, Brad, Brad your business, business and, and your leadership, leadership over the last 14 years, years has, has been a daft, daft idea, but it's worked. I believe in you. Let's go. Walk me through the process of what you did. You had that call with Terry. You've got this master plan. What was the process that you went through to actually save your business? So we took it online. We were the first ever network, business network to, to go online. So we looked at our format. Could we do the format online? And back in the day, we didn't have breakout rooms, which is what they have in, in Zoom now. So what happened, we had to put people's phone numbers and they'd ring. It was almost like party chat. So you'd have the live... And you'd see everyone on there. There'd be no one-to-one rooms, and you'd be on. Everyone would be on mute, and they'd be talking. And it was just that you know, it was it was it was a hodgepodge of, of putting it together. Um, and and this was brand new, and everyone sort of you know initially in that pandemic. Uh, let me ask you a question: How long did you think the pandemic was going to last? Be honest. A few months. Right. And they kind of build it like that. They never said it's going to be two, three years. They build it as two weeks fire break, and they kept it on and kept us on boiling the frog. So we prepared for a three month. And I had enough money for six. And that was, you know, two years in. And, it, and it, we, I say it saved the business. It did. It gave us a reprieve. It got us further forward. Because actually by doing nothing, we'd have gone. But what it did, if it would have extrapolated out and it continued, it would have been mind-blowing. But it didn't. Because I think that the entire world has changed as a result of that. I think they work from home. I think people have got apathy now with online stuff. I think there's a lot of that kicked in. Um, but it did, it saved our, it saved our business. And, and, and it was amazing because what happened is, and there was lots of militaristic approach that I took to it. You know, we had ban- we had, we had um, berries with four networking logos and, and you know, dig for victory. And it was all, honestly, we, we reproduced all that. And, um, and, and and people kind of, you know, they, they gravitated to it. And a based this kind of approach on, on World War II. I looked at World War II and I, I kind of galvanized. Honestly, got images that show me that, you know, I'm leaving Berry on and this, that, and the other, and, and fight for victory. And dig. We, we did that and we galvanized and we, and we kind of got through. Scrappler, we got through, but we got through. Man, the pressure that you were under was absolutely immense. How do you not buckle under that? Because you've got this massive company for networking. You know, I've known about you for years, read your books, get off your ass, life business. And you have this situation where you've got thousands, tens of thousands of people relying on you. You've got your your frantic wife in the kitchen worrying, is he actually going to be able to pull this off? You've got your kids, all their, you know, their education, they're young then. What do you do? How, how do you not collapse under the weight of this pressure? 
listen, you've got no option. <laughs> you know, this is I, the best way I described it was um, it was almost like being at sea. And no matter which way I looked, there was no land. So I had no option other than to say to my team, listen, guys, we're going to go full steam ahead towards this way. Well, how do you know that's the right way? Stars, course orientation. And, you know, but I knew that if we didn't move, it was done anyway. And we went for it, you know, we went for it in a way that actually every single moment of my life had led me to that moment. I remember almost being, it was like the Roy Schneider, we're going to need a bigger boat, where it all went straight away. And I needed to get my gum shield in, metaphorically speaking, and do something that was unprecedented. But when I started falling back on my Salford smarts, that street smarts allowed me to be able to make decisions. I had a director of Costa Coffee ring me up early doors and say, wow, what you're doing right now is, is mind-blowing. And, and they spent half an hour asking me questions. Director of Costa Coffee asking me how I was doing it because they saw everyone was stunned. Everyone didn't know what to do. And I'll tell you something, people were waiting for somebody else to save save them. People were waiting for the cavalry to arrive. There was no cavalry. And this is why I came up with a hashtag at the time, which was we are the cavalry, because people were looking towards Rishi Sunak. People were looking towards Boris Johnson to come and save their lives, fix their businesses. It wasn't going to happen. And I think that what I realized is that nobody was there to save us. And that is why I said, right, we're now looking for leadership. It needs people to step forward, stop waiting for somebody to come and say it. And it needed people like me. And I didn't realize how significant as, as recent as this last week or so, I've got like one or two messages from people saying, thank you, you helped me through the pandemic. And I didn't realize that. You have no idea when you're delivering um, stuff online. So you've got no idea who's reading it and what, what's going on in their life. But it was a, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a brave moment. It was one of those most significant moments of my life. And, you know, there's certain key stories of my life, which, Every one of them is pivotable. I call them significant emotional events that shape me as an individual, that shape me to be the person that I am. And the pandemic and everything that we dealt with was, was, was without question one of those as, as, as significant as me getting shot at or delivering pizzas. So you have, a, you have the situation with Terry, who's known you for so many years, and he's got this utmost faith in you. It seems like he's some kind of mentor to you. Oh, yeah, Terry Cooper. I mean, you know, when I started my business out, um, wet behind the ears, cheap £50 suit, and he saw something in me. And uh, I had 11 meetings. And we had, at our height, we had like 250. Uh, 11 meetings in, in, in the southwest. And Terry came to one of my meetings, and he sat down with me, and, and I told him, I'm going to go scale this up around the, the UK. He said, how are you going to do that? I said, I don't know. He said, well, maybe you'll need some help. Terry had come from a, a main board PLC. He was a managing director, effectively retired at 55, and he's now worked with me for the last 16 years. But, yeah, he's always had faith in me, TC. And he saw, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. He sees in me skills that he doesn't have, and I see in him skills that I don't have, and we've been exceptional at supporting each other over the years. It's a perfect combination, and I think it's really important for men in business, in life, to have mentors, people people guiding you, showing you the way, making sure that you don't make the same mistakes they made. Because there's this adage that's in society of, oh, always, you know, always learn from your own mistakes. Why do you have to make those mistakes yourself? Why can't you just follow the, the, the lessons learned from the mistakes that Terry's made? A couple of things there. Uh, Terry almost took me under his wing like a father figure. Right, that's the reality of it. My dad left, sorry, when I was six months old, I was gone now. But so, so I think there is that kind of uh, thing going on here, that kind of dynamic. But what I will say is that 
any expert, uh, the way that you become an expert is by making mistakes. You've got to make mistakes. You have to slip on a banana skin. Even though Terry could say there's one there, you've kind of got to slip on it sometimes. And an expert is someone that's made all the mistakes in a particular niche field. So when it comes to professional speaking, I've made them all. When it comes to motivational speaking, I've made them all. Marriage, made them all. And then, you know, and, and, and things like um, networking, made them all. So you do have to make decisions. You do have to make mistakes because that's what an expert is. An expert is someone that's made all the mistakes. And so many people are reticent to make decisions in case they're the wrong ones. Well, I actually encourage people to do it because the only time you realize whether a mistake is a mistake or not is after the event. No one, including me, wakes up and says, you know what, I'm going to go and fuck up today. <laughs> but occasionally I do. But you do need to make decisions. You do need to make mistakes. But I do think Terry Cooper has been there in, in, in ways that actually was very fortunate. But once again, we are the cavalry. I created the cavalry, right? And what I mean by that is that the, the, the man business and, and what I did allowed for people like Terry Cooper to come into my life. I created my own hand-picked five-a-side team. And I, I absolutely agree with you. You only realize the mistakes after the fact. So it is when you look back on it, it's a combination of mistakes that you made and a combination of maybe lessons learned from other people's mistakes. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Where would you have been without Terry? Um, there was a crucial moment where I had people rounding on me and uh, almost bullying me. And what I mean by that is, is I... How can someone bully you, Brad? Well, ah, see, there you go, right? And this is the interesting thing about it. I don't mean physically bullying me, but mentally, if you've got someone... When I'm, you know, I was going back when I started this off. I'm from Salford, Manchester. All right, kid, nice one, proper. That's how I used to speak. So when I've got posh people, business owners or business people who I perceived back then that they're somehow hyper intelligent and they've been to private schools, I kind of showed me belly and all these guys can show me how to do it. And actually, there was a time when these people uh, bullied me. They they ganged up on me in a, in a, in a way that kind of, they kind of got me to acquiesce, got me to, 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 to neuter my effectiveness. And if it wasn't for Terry, um, this journey would have ended a whole lot earlier. Yeah, massively important to have those people in our life. And I've had those feelings of imposter syndrome for sure. And I remember going to university. I went to Lancaster University when I was 18. And I've got a strong, strong Northern accent, you know, from Atherton, Greater Manchester near Wigan. And I felt inferior for sure. There was a lot of people there who had, you know, uh, from middle class backgrounds, you know, received pronunciation, very standard British accents. And I, I was out of my depth. I'm like, what am I doing here? I don't deserve to be here. But it took a long time, a lot of self-reflection to go, actually, I did deserve to be here. So let me tell you, I know dragons out of Dragon's Den, uh, number one selling pop stars, world-class boxers. Um, they're all blagging it. Everyone's got imposter syndrome, everyone. Right? Everyone. Everyone. No world-class boxer knew there was going to be a world-class boxer. And even if they did, they've had imposter syndrome. No number one top-selling star. Dragon's Den's blagging it. Everyone is blagging it. The difference is I'm stupid enough to share it. I'm telling you right now, it is not just you. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not, so anyone anyone who's ever, like, I, I've walked on stage, 3,000 people, and I'm backstage. And I remember walking on stage with 3,000 people there, and I come out of there, and, like, backstage, I'm like, ah, come out of there and they're pointing doing the motivational thing. Woo, yeah, guy. Nobody would have known that I'm at backstage. Nobody, right? 
So this is the thing. You've got to understand that every expert that you look up to or you see was once a beginner. Every expert that you see was blagging it. And then one day you wake up and you're not blagging it anymore. So I think that people should take that away and understand that it's not just you. It's everyone. And and, and you think that it's just you. Every single person. Do you think that me as an expert now speaking in front of thousands of people? That, 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 you know, most people, what I've, I've died like 100 times, 100 times on stage, died, died, like embarrassing, right? Died. 45 minute presentation, 25 minutes in, and then people are just looking at you, got stage fright, sweat, they no idea what you're saying, anything. And most people would come off stage and say, I'm never doing that again. You know what I did? I said, fuck it. What did I learn from it? Let's go again. And it's that, that's what makes you an expert. An expert is someone that's made all the mistakes. Most people say, I'm never doing that again. And their career as a speaker ends. Me, I've kept going. I've kept going and been more resilient. I, don't, I can't speak for you, but my primary emotion in a lot of situations that I've found difficult over the years is fear. And it's, it's, the same, it's the same thing that you're saying. Are you willing to overcome those fears? Because I think as men, we, we live and die by the, the fears that we have. And it's, are you going to settle these? Are you going to surrender to your fears? Well, you know, look, there's been numerous times in my life. Um, all right, let me tell you something. Okay. So if I said to my wife, warrior, right? Uh, oh, we've got a council tax bill going out Tuesday time. Oh, it's stressful. On a scale of one to 10, what's that? Oh, it's an eight, it's an eight, it's an eight. Mm. So if I put two bullets through the window of our house and I've got some Manchester gunmen uh, wanting to put a bullet in your head, where, is it still an eight or is it lowered? Ah, right, right. And that's what happened with me. I had that happen to me. So therefore, my fear I kind of, it's kind of changed my, 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 my scale has changed about, so I survived that. So no matter what stress you go on, like say council tax bill, so that eight now becomes a three. So what's happened is your ability to soak up pain or soak up fear is greater than ever before. But what most people do is they don't um, learn the lessons from that fear. They kind of run, they do enough to get away from the, from the problem. What I do is I ask myself the question, I'm a computer gamer, you know, um, have I picked up the experience from that battle? If not, going back and pick it up. I've picked up the treasures that I've won there. Most people just do enough to get away from the pain, and that's why people remain in constant cycles of in bad places. The thing about Brad that you might have picked up on in this episode, and it's pretty obvious, is that he's a really confident guy. He's the kind of person that just exuberates charisma, a real force of nature, a larger-than-life character, whatever you want to call him. He's all those things. I do sort of wonder, and I've been thinking about this for the last seven, eight years with Brad, where he gets his energy from to be such a marauding figure despite all the incredible challenges he's faced, particularly since and during the pandemic. I think men can learn a lot from Brad, particularly around being a leader in a tricky situation. But at the same time, if we're all leaders, it'd be difficult to find resolution. Brad is clearly a natural leader. He's disruptive as a successful entrepreneur and he doesn't wear suits. He despises them actually. It's his personal brand that is differentiated and that's based on his experiences growing up on a council estate in Salford. Not everyone likes his approach, but they all respect him as he says it like it is and he's completely and utterly authentic. But at the same time, he's also a really good soul too. What was interesting is that even someone like Brad, with so much confidence and so much energy, he still needed a mentor and a partner in the form of his friend Terry, that wise sage that we all need in our lives. 
Even a natural leader needs a good support system to fully succeed in life. So ask yourself, do you have what it takes to lead in a situation where it seems as though everyone has written you off? From doing the podcast for over two and a half years, we've discovered there are eight different types of men. Brad is clearly a leader, and I've been following Brad for nearly seven, eight years now from his books, from his different interviews online, from his speeches. Brad Burton is considered by many to be the UK's number one motivational business speaker. So if you're interested in his courses or going to one of his talks, go to bradburton.biz, B-I-Z. That's bradburton.biz. But what kind of man are you? Take our man test by clicking the link in the description or by going to storiesofmenpodcast.com. It takes less than three minutes to complete and you never know, you might just learn something completely new about yourself. Before you go, I need to tell you about our man test. Because as men, we can struggle to forge strong relationships, often by being bad communicators. I've definitely been there. This podcast is about helping you better understand who you are as a man to become the best version of yourself. And the team and I have designed a simple quiz for you to discover more about your identity as a modern man. It takes less than three minutes to complete and it's going to help you establish better relationships and form stronger connections. Whether that's with your partner, friends or co-workers, the Man Quiz is going to help you become more trustworthy, reliable and dependable in all your relationships. Find the link to the quiz in the show notes now. You never know, you might just learn something new about yourself that you didn't know before.